Well, to, if we start this passage, we need to get a little background to make sure we remember what's going on and what this chapter is about. The first king of the nation, of course, was, uh, of Israel was Saul. He was followed by King David. Then he was followed by King Solomon. When King Solomon died, the nation divided into two parts. If you remember that, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. And the capital was at Samaria, and the southern kingdom was called Judah, and it, the capital was at Jerusalem. We said that in the northern kingdom, no king, best we can tell, no king was ever a believing king. In fact, almost all the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were bad. In Judah, there were some bad kings, but there were some good kings. And this morning, we're going to meet a good king from the from the south, from Judah, but we're also going to meet a, a bad king, and we'll talk about who he is. Uh, at, at our time of study, uh, the, the king that we always think about was Ahab. It was Ahab and Jezebel and all of those things, and how the prophet Elijah confronted him. Well, Ahab's son is Ahaziah, and we're going to meet another son this morning, and we're going to say, well, what happened to Ahaziah? And we'll talk about it as we go through this. Uh, Ahaziah was the one that fell through the lattice, if you remember, and got hurt. And Elijah sent word to him and said, you're not going to live, and and he didn't. So at this time, Ahaziah has either died or he is unable to fight, and the new king of Israel, Jehoram, the brother Ahaziah, is the new king. And that's who we're going to meet as we look at our passage. So let's let's break it down, and here's what we're going to see today. It looks like a lot. We can go through it very quickly. It looks like a lot, but it says Jehoram becomes king, and Moab rebels, and Jehoram seeks Jehoshaphat. They come together. They inquire of Elisha. Elisha gives his message. They have victory over Moab, but at the end, King Misha, who is the king of Moab, he offers a sacrifice. What is the sacrifice? And we'll see it as we go through. Well, let's start. Look at Second Kings chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It's now that Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. So he just gives us the background. And so the king of the south is Jehoshaphat. He's a good king. He's a, good, he's a believer. The king of the north now is, has become Jehoram. And we said, well, who is this guy? Remember, Ahaziah was the king, and apparently he, he died when he fell through the lattice and, and so he wasn't able to do anything or he's still alive and he can't serve and so here comes Jehoram he becomes the king and look what it did uh, look what it says about this guy uh, and, and, and by the way let me put this up Jehoram becomes the king look at verse 2 he, he did evil in the sight of the Lord uh, though not like his father and his mother for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal which his father had made now he's saying he was bad but he wasn't bad as his daddy <laughs> he wasn't, of course, you know, he wasn't as bad as Ahab. And remember Ahab and Jezebel, and they were really, really bad, and Ahab was not as bad as Jezebel. She was the worst, and we did all of that when we looked at the life of Elijah. And so now we see uh, his son. Now, we know he had at least two sons, Ahab did. One was Ahaziah, and we don't know what happened to him. He's probably dead, and now Jehoram becomes the king. And it says he ruled for 12 years. And so what happens? When Jehoram becomes king, notice. Nevertheless, he clung, it tells more about him. He clung, to, he clung to the sins of Jehoram, the son of Nabat. He made Israel sin. He did not part from them. He said he still did all the bad things. He worshipped false gods and things. Now, verse 4. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder and used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 lambs. Now, that's, they were in subjugation to, to Israel, and so he paid the but. When Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. He said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to see if we can gain the victory. 
And King jo- and so what happened? And King Joram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. He's getting ready to fight. So now we've got King Joram is about to go after King Misha of Moab. I'll talk to you, and I'm going to show you a map in just a minute where Moab is, how it all ties together. But the Moabite people were, were basically rebelling against Israel being their, their leader. The, the, the Israel was controlling them. Now, notice this, and this is what gets strange. Then he went, this is Jehoram, he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? He's asking Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, who's a good king, and he said, will you come with me to help fight against the Moabites? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses is your horses. So he, he sends word to him and says, will you come, will you come help us fight? Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he says, will you come help us fight? What does Jehoshaphat say? Yes. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're Jehoshaphat, why do you want to align yourself with Jehoram? Why? I mean, look at this. Should Jehoshaphat have been in partnership with a wicked king? Should he even go to this battle? And and we look at him, we'd say, why do you have anything to do with this guy? He's a bad man. We know that he's not a believer, and you are a believer, and we all know that you're not supposed to connect with believers and unbelievers and all those kind of things. But for some reason, Jehoshaphat thinks, well, you know, we're we're all brothers in the sense that we're all Jews, we're all Israelites, we're all that. So even though they're called Israel, we're called Judah, and we're two different kingdoms, and we fight against each other a lot, we'll align together and we'll go and fight against the Moabites. That's, that's what he's going to do. So verse 8, he says, which way shall we go up? How are we going to go? And he answered, the way of the wilderness of Edom. So they're going to go through Edom. Let me show you a map, okay? They're going to go up through Edom. Here is a map. Here's the kingdom of Judah. Here's the kingdom of Israel. There's the capital at Samaria. That's, that's Joram. Here's the capital at Jerusalem. That's Jehoshaphat. And they fight each other sometimes. Down here is Edom. That's the Edomites. That's Moab. That's the Moabites. That's Ammon, the Ammonites. And by the way, this is Jordan today. Anybody know the, what the, the capital of Jordan is? What's the capital of Jordan? It's Ammon. Look, Ammonites. That's what it's named after. Okay, and so here, and then this is Damascus way up there, and Assyria goes way up there. So what they decided to do is join forces, come down this way. They're actually going to have and say, will the king of Edom help us fight against the Moabites? And so they're going to go up from the southern part and attack them. That's going to be the plan. So he asked the question back in verse 8. He says, which way shall we go up? And he answered, let's go up the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Now, Best we can tell, the king of Edom says, hey, if it's a chance to put some hurt on the Moabites, I'd be glad to do that because they don't get along. None of them get along, by the way. None of them get along. And so he basically says, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. They made a circuit of seven days' journey, and there was no water for their army or for the cattle that followed them. So verse 9 says there's no water there. And look, there's no water for the men of the cattle. But here's a question I have. Why are they taking cattle with them to go fight? Or why are the cattle following them? And why is there no water? 
I mean, it looks like, you know, we might have picked a bad time to go fight. There's no water, right? I mean, we decided to go fight, but we're, we're you know, there's no water. What are we going to do? And, and so it says the three, the, the three kings, you know, it says, so the king of Israel with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made this circuit of seven days' journey. There was no water for the army for the cattle that followed them. And so what are they going to do? Well, what do you do if, if, you know, the king of Israel said, oh, no, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. Well, he's a real, he's a real positive thinker, isn't he? I mean, think about it. He, he, they get there, there's no water. So, uh, so Jehoram looks at Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom and says, well, I guess God wanted us to all get killed by the Moabites. And you can just see him going, that's, that's real encouraging. I hope all the soldiers didn't hear that, you know. I mean, you could just almost see that. So now, now, Jehoshaphat, remember, Jehoshaphat is a, a believer. And, you know, what do you do? do, do if, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. So Jehoshaphat, look what the question that he raises. Then the king of, you know, king of Israel says, oh, no, the Lord has called these three kings to give them in the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that me may inquire of the Lord by him? And he basically says, is there not anybody that we can go to, a prophet that could give us the word of the Lord and tell us what to do, whether we should go fight or not? Is there not anybody there? And so Jehoshaphat raises the questions. Is there no prophet we can go to? Now, the king of the north, he doesn't want to talk to a prophet, right? I mean, just like Ahab never wanted to see Elijah because Elijah always confronted him. Well, Jehoram, he doesn't want to see Elisha because he would confront him. And so when Jehoshaphat says, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we can acquire, uh, you know, of the Lord by him? Can we ask some questions? And one of the king's servants said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Now, what does that mean? That means he used to serve Elijah. See, everybody knows that there was Elijah, and now there's Elisha. Elijah was a prophet of God. Elisha is now the prophet of God. And they basically, he's taken over after him. And so we got to realize there that Elijah had confronted Ahab, and now Elisha is going to confront his son, Jehoram, you know. And so what's going to happen? And... Uh, Elisha, the son of Jehoshaphat, is here. So Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So all three kings go to see who? Elisha. Now, remember we said Elisha's kind of a quiet guy. He, he doesn't cause a lot of issues. And, and uh, uh, So watch what happens when they go to him. Now, Elisha said to the king of Israel, now watch. Is the king of Israel a good one or a bad one? He's a bad one. Who's the good one? Jehoshaphat, he's the good one. So, and the, Elisha said to the king of Israel, that's to the bad king, what do I have to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them a hand to Moab. He's a real positive guy. So, he said, so Elisha says, what do I have to do with you? Why would you come talk to me? Why would I even talk to you? He says, if you really want to know something, why don't you go back to the false prophets of your father and your mother? Your father was Ahab and your mother was Jezebel. Why don't you go back to them? Why have you come to me to talk to me? Because I'm a true prophet of God and you've never dealt with the true prophet of God. And once again, of course, you know, Jehoram says, well, we think we're all going to get killed. Elisha said, as the Lord of the host lives, 
before whom I stand. He says, I stand before God. And if you notice in verse 14, it's L-O-R-D and it's all capitals, which means it's the personal name of God. It's Y-H-W-H, it's Yahweh. He says, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I stand before the true God. Were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not even look at you or see you. He said, if you hadn't come here with Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even talk to you. Think about this. If Jehoshaphat was not here, I wouldn't even speak to you. I wouldn't have anything to do with you. How do you, how do you feel if you're, uh, if you're Jehoram? Well, okay. You know, what are you going to say? I mean, he just looks at you and said, why are you coming to me? You should go back to the false prophets. And by the way, if you weren't with that guy, I wouldn't even look at you or talk to you. You're not, I'm not having anything to do with you. You know, if you hear that, and, and of course you're Jehoshaphat, you may say to yourself, this is not going to turn out that well. You know, I mean, because the prophet is basically telling this guy that he doesn't care anything about him, but he does like me. So I wonder what's going to happen. What's going to happen? And so look what he says in verse 14 again. As the Lord of hosts, whom I stand before, if it weren't for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not even look at you or see you. Now watch what he says. This is going to be strange. Now bring me a minstrel. And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. He said, for me to get, <laughs> let's face it, for me to get the message from God, I've got to have some music. Right? Amen. Right? Yeah, somebody, somebody got some. Anybody can play some music. We got to have a minstrel because we need for him to be able to get the word of the Lord, and he's not going to do it unless he got some music going, right? I mean, that's what he says. And so he said, "Bring me a minstrel." And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, right in the middle. You could almost see him saying, "Okay, that's enough. I got it." You know. <laughs> so watch what he says. He says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. He says, go, where are you fixing to go fight? Go dig a bunch of trenches. Go dig a bunch of trenches. And we go, what is he talking? Why? Watch what he says. Thus says the Lord, you shall not see the wind, nor you see the rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beasts. See, what was the problem? There was no what? There was no water, and they were afraid. What are we going to do? So what does he say? He says, build the trenches. The trenches are going to be full of water. And he says, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain that they're going to be full of water. Notice what he says. Thus, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley will be filled with water. They're going to make trenches, and then they're going to look, and the trenches are going to be full of water for them to drink in their cows. Now, if you're there and you hear that, you go, well, that, <clears throat> that solves one problem, right? What's the other problem? We're fixing to go fight against the Moabites, and we don't, and, and this king over here thinks we're all going to get killed. Even, even with a lot of water, we're going to get killed. That's what we think. And then look what he says. Uh, uh, oh, oh, by the way, I just wanted to throw this up. God always surprised what we need. And then he says the second thing. This is a slight thing in the sight of the Lord. He'll also give the Moabites into your hand. He said, oh, on second thought, you'll defeat the Moabites. He says, this is a slight thing. He says, uh, getting the water was a bigger thing than defeating the Moabites. He says, yeah. He said, oh, by the way, I've got your water and everything, but mm, 
you'll, you'll beat Moab too. Don't worry about it. That's what he says. Whoops, let me go back. God will give the victory of Moab into your hand. God will give the king of Moab into your hand, and they'll win the battle. God supplies every need. He always does that. Well, we go, well how's that going to happen? I mean, the Moabites, you've got the, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and the Edomites all coming together to fight Moab, but the Moabites are, are, are pretty big. They've been warriors, and, and now they're free, and once you're free, you want to stay free. And so what's going to happen? Well, the, the prophet says, dig the trenches, they'll be full of water, and you will win the battle. So what happens? He says, then you shall strike every fortified city, every choice city, every good tree, stop all the springs of water, mar every good piece of land with stones. He says, go in there and wipe out the Moabites. Tear all their stuff up. Now watch the next verse. It happened in the morning about the time of the offering, about 9 o'clock in the morning, about the morning of sacrifice, that behold, water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. All those trenches they dug, suddenly they're full of water. We'd say, well, I wonder how that's going to help us in the battle. We'll look at the next thing. They rose up early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water. And the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. The Moabites get ready to go to battle, and when they get there, they see the trenches, they see it, and it looks like, instead of water, it looks like it's full of blood. And they go, blood. The place is filled with blood. And look what they say. And the king said, verse 23, This is blood. The kings have surely fought together, and they have killed one another. Now therefore, Moab to the spoil. They lie there and they said, Surely the kings of Edom and the kings of, Mo of, of Judah and Israel, they've all fought each other, killed each other. So now we can go get the spoil. So let's just go right on in there and get all their stuff because they killed each other. That's what the blood is. The blood is just fill the trenches. Well, look what happens. When they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites arose and struck the Moabites. So they fled before them, and they went forward into the land, slaughtering the Moabites. They saw the Moabites came to fight. They saw all the red. It looked like blood. They thought they saw victory. They thought the Jews and everybody had killed themselves. And then there was a great victory. And in verse 24, it says the great victory by Israel. It said they destroyed the cities. Verse 25, they threw the stones on every piece of good land. They stopped up all the wells. They fell down the good trees. They did all the stuff. And, and, this, and then it says... When the king of Moab saw the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords. He got 700 soldiers, and he tried to break through to the king of Edom, but they couldn't do it. He took his best soldiers. He said, we're going to go get right there, the Edomites, and let's see if we can kill them and break through. And they didn't work. So they've lost the battle. It's all over. Great victory by Israel. But look at the next verse. Then he, the king of Moab, then he took his oldest son who was to reign in his place and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. And there came great wrath against Israel and they departed from him and returned to their own land. That last verse, we need to talk about what that means. But I want you to see what happened. When the king saw that he couldn't win and the armies were advancing to the city, he stood on top of the wall and sacrificed his son as a burnt offering. 
Now, did he think maybe if I sacrifice my son, my gods, the gods of the Moabites, will come and stop the enemy from defeating us and killing us all and all of this? What did he think? We do not know. King of Moab, so he couldn't win, so he sacrificed his son. Now, we all know that when you study the Bible, children are valuable to God. Unborn and born. It, it doesn't make any difference. The, he, the Greek word for a baby in the womb is the same Greek word as a newborn baby. They're the same. You get a little bit older, they got a different word for a, a little boy and a little girl. But babies, it, it's the same word, whether you're in the womb or out of the womb. God loves children. God protects children. And I tell you, any nation that destroys their children is in for judgment. And it's coming on this country because we're killing them up a storm and we're killing them on purpose. And he took that little boy. Uh, we, it, he was going to be the one to reign, whether he was a little young boy, whether he was a grown man. We don't know. It doesn't say. But he took him and he burned him up in front of all the people. Now, this next line is the one I want you to see. It says, and there came great wrath against Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. Now, whatever happened, they left. Israel went back. They said, that's enough for us. That's enough. We're going back home. And what does it mean, great wrath against Israel? Well, this, I think there's three things it could be. We don't really know. It could be that there was great wrath from Misha. I mean, in other words, he was showing his great anger and wrath by sacrificing his son. Or it could mean that there was anger from the nation of Israel when they saw the child being sacrificed. They said, this is enough for us. We're going back home. Or it could even be Jehoshaphat that the wrath was from Jehoshaphat who said, how did I ever get myself involved in something like this where I see a, a child sacrificed in front of all these people? And it could be, we don't know. But all I know is this, children are valuable and they're beautiful. And the kingdom of God belongs to such, because how do you enter the kingdom of God? By faith as a child. You trust God and you say, if you tell, give me eternal life, I believe in you for eternal life. And, and, and the, the faith of children is the same as our faith. And I, when I see this passage, there's all kind of stories, there's all kind of things written about what did this mean and what did this king do and how did he do it. But I think, there's, I, think the, I think the great wrath, personally, when I look at this, I think it was anger from the nation of Israel. When, they re, when I say Israel, Israel and Judah together, when they saw what was going on, they basically said they can have it. And we're going back home. We're not, we're, not put, we're not going to be a part of this. And so it was really, really sad. Um, have you ever, and you have, just looked at these little ones. How amazing are they? How beautiful they are. How special they are. Listen, I worry about our nation. We went way back all those years ago. We've been killing millions a year of babies but it, it's now even more open than it's ever been and pushed, and I'm, I'm sick of it. These children are so valuable. And when you, do, when, you, when you do what this guy did, I mean, even the nation turned around and said, that's enough for us. So let me give you some applications. Let's understand that God always supplies our needs. There they were. They needed water, and without wind or rain, there was water. And it was just what they needed. And then he also said, oh, by the way, kind of a, kind of a second thing is I'll just, you'll defeat the Moabites too. Don't worry about that. 
I'll get you water, and then it's a slight thing, but we'll, you'll whip the Moabites. The second thing is let's understand that God brings the victory. It is always that true. It is always that way. The Moabites thought they would win. In fact, they thought they had already won because they saw all that blood. They thought it was blood. They thought we've won, but no, God gives the victory. And so when we have problems, go, go to God. Always turn to God. It, you know, the truth is you don't turn to God just in the problems of life. You're, you're supposed to be with God, whether good or bad going on, everything. We're supposed to, you know, abide in him and he abides in us and, and all of those things. But sometimes when things are happening, go to him and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And this is what Jehoshaphat said. He said, is there not somebody? Is there not a prophet we can talk to? Because we don't know what to do. There's no water. We don't know about the enemy. Is there not somebody we can talk to? And, of course, for us, we can go anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything to our God and Savior. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus Christ has already gone before us. He is our intercessor, and, and he is uh, everything for us. He is, he is our, uh, the, the one who is the, the go-between. He is everything. And then the, the third thing is, let's not par- be partners with evil. I mean, I think Jehoshaphat... I'm not, he should have never gone. I mean, I, it could be part of this wrath thing was the wrath of Jehoshaphat saying, why did I ever get myself mixed up into something like this? Why did I risk my men's life? Why did I see this happening? And the truth is, they're, they're, they, don't be unequally yoked and be really careful because uh, we live in a world that is evil and there are all kind of things pulling on us all the time. So be very careful. And last but not least, Un- false worship leads to evil actions. That's false worship. I mean, kill, their, kill their kid. Kill their children. And when you reject the true God, you will do evil. And we're seeing that in our world, and we're seeing that in our country. And I'm not apologetic about it at all. There's a lot of evil going on, and I'm sick of it, and you are too. And when, when people reject God and say we have nothing to do with him, then the actions that they push for are sometimes very evil, and we see it.